0: It was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan.
1: It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen
0: this coming a mile away. The passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh yeah, that's super simple and
2: direct question.
1: It's always fun to get to speak about beer.
2: And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer and the brewing industry and have a conversation with the people who make the industry what it is, and see what we can learn from them. I'm Bruce News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and this week, in a bonus episode of Beer as a Conversation, we meet Ollie and Louis Limebark, founders of the award-winning band Lime Cordial. The brothers have recently partnered with Pinnacle Drinks to release two beers under the Largo brand. In this episode, I speak to them about the origins of the partnership and the development of the beer, as well as learn quite a bit about band riders. Theirs doesn't follow the industry legend of prohibiting brown M&Ms, but it is explicit about the beers that they want to see backstage. We're also joined by Hayley Martin, Lead Quality Specialist with Pinnacle Drinks, to learn about the process that the company went through to attain a robust carbon-neutral certification for the beers. This bonus podcast is presented by Largo Beers in partnership with Pinnacle Drinks. Enjoy. Oli and Louis Leinbach, welcome to Beer is a Conversation.
3: Thanks for having us. Yeah, good to be, be on, on the air.
2: I, I always start doing a test recording and found myself doing uh test one, two, and I probably should have handed over to the professionals to uh to do the mic check yeah. uh, on, on this podcast. I never know why they
1: they don't go to three. Why well, is it always one, two? Like, I've asked a whole bunch of backstage crew, it's always one, two, one, two. two ne- never get to one, the three. Three, Maybe they can't
0: yet.
2: So long as your amps go to 11 is the question. (laughs) Yeah, there (laughs) you go. Sorry, I should also say welcome Hayley Martin.
0: Hi, great to be on.
2: Before we talk about beer, Ollie and Louie, maybe you can tell us a little bit of the background to Lime Cordial.
1: Oh, yeah. So Lime Cordial has been around for a long time. We played our first few shows in 2009 up in Avalon, which is where we grew up on the northern beaches of Sydney. Um, And we really didn't know what we were doing. You know, we were pretty young. We were musicians and played a lot of music and studied music and things. But we hadn't, you know, I think a lot of bands, they they start with a plan. You know, they know exactly, oh, you're going to write the beats and I'll do the lyrics. And then we're going to get this manager and do a whole bunch of shows. But we really just started, I don't know, playing this kind of weird Music almost but like cabaret or something in the very beginning. We, we, had, weren't, we weren't crazy serious. Yeah. We, we didn't even know what serious was. We just played a lot of shows. Then our, our dad came on and sort of started managing us in those early days and just booked so many shows. And, yeah, I guess we just sort of learnt as we were going and we still are learning. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a big slog. You know, there was a big period in the middle where we felt like we needed to cater to radio and cater to the industry. And then after that, it felt like the whole industry was against us. And so we almost ignored the industry and just catered to our fan base. And I think at that point it was a, that was the tipping point for us where we, where we did actually blow up a lot more because we're catering to those fans that really loved us. And, and we weren't trying to suck up to anyone else in particular and, and, I think that was really rewarding. So we've kind of always we always go back to that and make sure that you know we are catering to our fan base and the people that love our music in the first place, and and try not to get distracted with anything else.
2: Now we are here to speak about Largo, which is the, the the beer that you guys um, how how do we own partner in are uh, uh, behind. How how do you describe your involvement in Largo? We're
1: involved, <laughs> We're <laughs> passionate, <laughs> passionately involved. What's a partnership? passionately passion yeah i haven't passion. really been asked that question but we're mm. it's a partnership between Cordial and, and pinnacle yeah. really and um the awesome thing about pinnacle is that we they really gave us creative control from the very start you know the name the artwork the taste of the beer and you know even now as we're doing these launch parties we did it on the northern beaches where we're from and um yeah so it's it's been been really cool we really pr- proud of, of the beer feel like it's our own
2: how, how did the partnership come about
1: intro from our manager to yeah. you guys right yeah andrew and antoine sort of yeah. linked up and uh, you know we uh, andrew our manager came to us and said like you know we're, we're talking about potentially partnering up and making a beer you know like a sort of a lime beer and i think mm-hmm. in those those early conversations, we just thought it was all talk and, you know, we didn't really believe him. So, <laughs> so and that was about two years ago, maybe even a little bit bit more than two years ago. So it just, you know, we just kept saying, yeah, obviously we want to make a beer. Like that's every every boy's dream really. So anyone's
2: <laughs> dream. Do you, do you get a lot of opportunity? Do you get a lot of people approaching you, you know, since you became successful musically to, you know, partner on projects like this is is that one of the perks of the of, of the business um yeah i think so we're pretty
3: picky with what we partner with
1: and yeah, we don't always get the things that we want to be partnering with yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> clearly you enthusiastically said yes um to the opportunity um you know as you said uh it's i think it's every australian uh, boy and increasingly girls dream to have a beer um what was the process you know how, how did you go about it? Are, are you beer drinkers yourselves or have, have you grown up as beer drinkers louis
3: would you call yourself a beer drinker um yeah i'm definitely a beer drinker <laughs> but I, yeah I'm not, I'm not crazy like uh i'm not a super picky beer beer drinker like i love all beers from mm. all walks of life but uh, yeah i love
1: love beer definitely would call myself a beer drinker i think we really wanted to create something that Um, we could have backstage at festivals and give away to other bands backstage and give away to our friends and family over summer and it'd be something that we would all enjoy. And something that we
3: wouldn't get sick of either. I think there's a lot of... There's always... If there's the same beer on your rider every night, you get sick of it quite quickly. Mm. So we wanted a taste that was, you know, not had longevity really. Longevity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is that has become our like that's the reason why we have a bit of a taste with beers and, and why where we do get a little bit picky. It's it does actually it, it is to do with the longevity, you know. I think you you do a band writer, I guess for those who don't know what a writer is, you know
2: if, I was going to ask you, the brown M and M. No yeah, brown M M.
1: what essentially you you know, you do this piece of paper with you know, like five vegetarian meals, two meat meals, this person's gluten-free, you know, two cases of beer, um, bottle of red wine, bottle of white. And, you know, it's always incredibly excessive. You push it as hard as you can go (laughs) in case you've got a whole bunch of friends backstage. Um, And But you you submit that piece of paper to like every venue on your whole tour. You know, so a lot of the time you're getting the same thing every night and you just get so sick of it because you go backstage and you're like, oh, you know, I'm pretty sick of these uh, warm grapes and this type of beer, you know. So we're, we're always getting sick of the beer and we've found that, like, actually the more general Australian lagers and the ones that have stood the test of time have been the ones that we can keep going back to. Um, you know, you put something like a watermelon sour on your, on your rider, you know, it's not going to last very long. <laughs>
2: Now, you, you've raised it. I have to ask the hard-hitting questions. What beers did you put in your rider? What was the uh, Lime Cordial rider we beer? We keep changing it, right? Yeah. So
1: at the moment, we've actually got uh, local beers, you know, local to that town. Local like lager, usually. Local lager. I think we would just do a lager and a pale ale. Yeah. So because that's really cool. We can just – then we can uh, taste beers. Sometimes we'll be playing at a brewery and – the band in the green room next next door is getting these great beers from the brewery and having this you know palate that they can taste you know and it's like damn it yeah how do they <laughs> you know? so um yeah it's it we, we actually have to just keep changing it. The only problem with the local beers is
3: um, when we're touring through America, like they the beers are so strong. You know you get keep getting these local lagers that are like nine percent or something. Yeah. And then
1: occasionally it's got THC
3: in it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Which you got to be really careful with. We have they mix it in with the the in into the esky, you know. Yeah. There'll just be like a surprise THC beer in there that they don't warn you about. So yeah, not into that, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, definitely can't play.
2: So when you said that you, you, it was cool to have uh, your own beer to to share uh, backstage, is that kind of like a musician flex?
3: It was pretty cool. We played a festival on the weekend. We had it on the rider. And we're just sort of chucking them out into the crowd. like, this is our beer. So, like, you're not
1: drinking. Yeah. You're probably not going through a whole case, to be honest. But, like, that's... I mean, can I secretly admit that it is a bit of a flex, having your own beer backstage? I mean, it is pretty cool. It's cool. (laughs) It's pretty cool.
2: I'm I'm, I'm just trying to work out what the insurance would... uh, implications are throwing cans of beer out to an audience at a festival. And we so, did make uh, sure that it was
1: an over 18 section. <laughs> so.
2: um, you, you said before that you had uh, creative control over the beer and we'll talk a little bit about the artwork, but you know, what, what were you looking for um, when you uh, were approaching the beer styles that you wanted?
1: In terms of taste, or are you sort of thinking all round?
2: In terms of taste, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I presume you started with taste and worked backwards.
1: Well, we didn't have, we didn't really know our describing words too well, you know. So we we did want a lager, um, and we actually do love drinking mid-strength beers as well. Um, I think, especially over an Australian summer, you can have a mid-strength at midday, and it doesn't knock you out, or you don't necessarily need to have a little siesta, which is sometimes nice. Mm. But um we I mean our brief was kind of like we we wanted to have a lager and as we said before you know something that was had sessionability to it um and from there we we just did this extensive you know this big taste test so we had a whole bunch of beers and we sort of just described each beer what we liked what we didn't like sort of rated them uh in, in order of preference you know this this one's our favorite and then this one we don't like at all and um and shimo mark what's it is it i always call him shimo what's Shime, his, yeah, his mark, last name's actually shimo it's not shiman yeah. Yeah. so um shimo r- helped us through that process and he was not and shimo works for pinnacle he does uh, yeah. pinnacle drinks or the brewery
0: pinnacle drinks so he's um like sourcing within pinnacle drinks
1: yeah and right. he was really great. It wasn't intimidating at all, yeah. you know, because it's a scary process. You know, we're beer lovers, but we're not beer connoisseurs or brewers. So it was like, we we're just scared that we we're going to be describing things. Oh, this has a bit of orange to it. And he might go, well, I actually wouldn't call that orange. We'd call that lemongrass. But anyway, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, but it
3: was great. And, and um, he could read us, I think. He was good at reading, Yeah, yeah. reading us for sure.
1: Totally.
2: Are there parallels then to working in a you know a, a, a studio with a new producer when you're trying to describe a sound in your head um, to a producer? Or I, I guess as musicians, you've got a better vocabulary to talk about what you want a, the end result to be than you you have for something like creating
1: a beer. I'd say it's exactly the same, really. You know, it's kind of a good analogy because it's. Um, you know, make this sound more yellow or more crisp. You know, and a lot of producers suffer through that all the time. I mean, like when we did the Idris Elba EP, that's kind of a good example of that. He, he came in from his acting background, DJ background, and he'd done a lot of features on stuff. And he was actually intimidated to work with us on the music, which is kind of funny. You know, this big, huge actor with this massive voice, and Hollywood superstar to be intimidated working with this indie band from Sydney. Like yeah, it was it was quite funny. And he was uncomfortable for the first session, I think, and, and we just, you know, made him warm up because it's it's okay to be describing things like that in music, you know? And he's obviously I think everyone's just a little bit different. You don't have to be talking about um instrumentation necessarily he might he might say that we should go into this dark section of the song like maybe we can get this feeling really dark and almost like we've gone underwater and then you know build up and blow out into this next section like that's kind of enough information sometimes and that's a fun way to be describing things so i don't i don't know if we were like (laughs) the storytellers of 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 beer when we were tasting these beers but I think Shimo did a really good job of interpreting what we were yeah. going on about anyway.
2: It's interesting because I, I saw it um, when I was researching this. There was an article that the Daily Telegraph ran uh, about the new beer, but then talking about the, you know, the number of drinks that are coming out um, with celebrities. Is, is there a parallel there that, you know, when you sort of see an actor, you know, who learned to play guitar suddenly coming out with an album um, that you got, do you guys roll your eyes and go, oh God, here we go, David Hasselhoff again?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm f- worried that the, you know the beer industry is like, oh, here we go again. These these musicians bringing out a beer. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't know. That's kind of the fun of it, really, right? It's like mixing things up. I don't know. Can we have Getting like some haters? Can yeah? Can we? Can we have the uh, head of Foster's make an album maybe? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that sounds like. <laughs> <up. laughs> uh, I don't know it'll be streamed too often but anyway it's, uh, <laughs> but the, the perks of rock and roll can't just be uh, you know uh, what is it uh, sex drugs and rock and roll or uh, you know uh, there have got to be other perks as well and if it's your own beer um, so what was it like meeting the brewer did you get to sit down with the brewer and you know go through the process and and, and see how it was made
1: Um, we did kind of, we were, the thing was we were overseas a lot of the time during the early stages of that. So we really, we, we, we had all of these beers sent to us in London and we were tasting over a Zoom call and we had these kind of like long taste tests. Um, and then we did, we did go down to the brewery, um, brick lane down in victoria and you you were stoked because one of the first questions was we just got that from germany and he asked you know like what your favorite beer was Do you remember that yeah yeah say augustina
2: augustina great did you get to have one in the beer garden there
3: no i mean they're just everywhere in germany
2: oh they've and got an amazing been. beer garden uh which is wonderful as well
3: what within
1: the augustina brewery yeah
0: yeah
1: oh yeah down in okay Phoenix
2: oh wow oh so something cool. you put on your list for next time uh because it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah one of the great experiences. if you love the beer having it you know under the trees in the beer garden it's great but uh oh, we, were, wow.
1: we were actually playing and we're going off topic a little bit but we were going we were playing in munich at Oktoberfest, um just you know a few about a month ago yeah Oktoberfest in september and what really like freaked us out is that they Make the beers stronger for that week, or that month, or whatever. It's funny that Oktoberfest isn't in October. I mean, it still confuses. Me,
2: <laughs> There's a whole um, reason, but we won't we we, we won't turn this uh, yeah. in, in, into beer 101. But it's uh, yeah, it's a great experience. So I did and you got into one of the tents just before we move off from Oktoberfest.
1: We didn't. We played and then kind of watched the parade go past, and then we had a few big steins. And that was kind of it, you know, we're, we're so in and out of each city when we're touring, so you get a literal taste No later There's a lot of people at our show wearing the Lederhausen. Yeah. Lederhausen.
2: One of the things that marks a spear out uh, that you really uh, promote on the, on, on the packaging, actually, but before we talk about that, we'll talk about the packaging because um, I, I believe that Louis designed the uh the, the 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 labels and also design the is it um leather cut or what w- the it's a lino cut, lino so cut. sorry lino cut. <laughs> yeah yeah tell, tell me about yeah. that um well yeah
3: i'm a i do the art for all our uh, albums singles um posters um it, and it's it is always lino cut um yeah so i kind of just it's part of our brand i guess the Lime Cordial brand and um, I mean, I've always have wanted to design a beer label because they're pretty, they are pretty amazing. You know, you walk into a bottle shop and especially in the specialty beer section, it's quite a beautiful thing. So yeah, it was a dream to do an album and we were in Europe at the time and I have a little printing press overseas. So maybe I did 10 different artworks for, um, for you, did a whole, you did a
1: whole bunch. Yeah. I mean, we should sort of go back and, and find some of those work in process, yeah. progress designs. Yeah. But Louis has this for those that don't know what lino cutting is. You probably did it in high school, but it's you're cutting, essentially cutting out of a piece of linoleum with a knife, and then you stamp it. And you have to have quite a hefty stamp, but Louis managed to find. Is it a German design? Uh, A Dutch Dutch one. Dutch design, this really miniature printing press that can be his travel printing press so it could keep the artwork going on the road. So messy, it's pretty messy,
3: Um, messy and long process. There's a lot, you're just sitting there for like hours, sort of days really, carving out of linoleum with a little knife, but yeah.
2: Is that how you keep your sanity on the road?
3: It, is, it actually is. It's, you were saying that the other day. Yes, yeah, it's, it's one of the most relaxing things. And it's a great distraction. It sort of stops you from getting, getting nerves before a show or overthinking a show. Yeah. So Just stress out when I don't bring it along on the road.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, looking at the, the, the artwork, one of the other elements of the uh, packaging is it really uh, reinforces that it's a carbon-neutral beer. Why was that important to you both?
1: I think like just over the last few years, I guess if we back, backtrack to the beginning of the band, we, we started off playing a lot of charity events for, you know, Sea Shepherd and there was this other, you know, Save the Coast and Protect the Ocean charity on the Northern Beaches called Living Ocean. And we, we did a few gigs for these guys and they would sort of be some of our biggest shows on the Northern Beaches. Um, linking up with with charities, you know, for a good cause, and very topical, being you know coastal. So we uh, maybe a few years after that, we got so distracted with the band and having to have multiple jobs that we lost track. And I think four four or five years ago, we we said to ourselves that you know, like, why are we doing this? Why do we want to have a voice? And we realized that we. Wanted to get back into this environmental world that we really do care about in our t- in our time off, because it does feel funny sometimes touring around the world, um, you know, with a heavy carbon foot- footprint, and then, you know, at the end of a gig, there's a whole bunch of trash on the floor. A festival site can be, you know, it sometimes feels a bit like hypocritical. Um, and then we go back and we have this quite pretty quiet life on the coast or up at our farm, which is a regenerative farm. Um, and we care so much about that land. So I think when we were approached with this beer, you know, again, we were, we hit the sort of crossroad of like, yeah, of course we want to make a beer that's so much fun. But are we creating this consumable product that, you know, that will have a carbon footprint and you know you have so much waste from this and so that was pretty much from the start you know if we wanted if we were going to make something we we didn't want it to just be trashy and and you know adding to a a, I guess negative footprint and you know with our merchandise it's like we make sure that we're sourcing merchandise responsibly and look into different fabrics. We're not using polyester, like can we use hemp and ways of printing it that's not plastic. And so, yeah, we've always cared about this. And I think if you do care about it, just try and, you know, across everything that you do, try and apply that.
2: Hayley, I might just jump, get you to jump in now and tell us, because I know know that you drove the, um, the auditing of the uh, carbon neutral for the beer.
0: Yeah, so um, I took over, basically the boys got involved two years ago and then it was January 20, what are we, 23, 22 that someone flagged with me, hey, we're looking at doing this partnership, uh, a car- carbon neutral beer. And I was like, oh, God. Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah. oh, far out. Like, we've never done anything like this before. Like, okay. So, you know, started started the process. I mean, there's a... There's a whole team that's gone into doing this, but um, yeah, it, we we started the carbon inventory and sort of um, gathering the information in. I think it was February 22 um and then it took us a good year to really get all that information because you've got to do everything like oh my god how much yeah how much how much water using your electricity you know um your waste the raw materials where will they come from like we're talking down to the nth degree and then you've like for a product um when you go to be um carbon neutral um for climate active you need to be third party audited so like there's a high level of scrutiny over all of your accounting that you've done. Um, and we must have gone through, I don't know, 17 different um, inventories before we landed on the correct one. Um, and that means, like, just them poking holes at the information that we'd found. So, you know, is that forklift? Like, how many forklifts do you really have? Like, are we counting for one? Are we counting for two? Are we counting for three? Like, how much are they used? Um and then uh, going through the, even the climate active um, process, like that's, that was a completely new process to us. So, you know, the application process. It's
1: so thorough. And yeah. it's so, it it's, it's so It's so such an annoying process. We've been doing <laughs> the same thing for our actual touring, uh, you know, getting this, this auditing, what, what do you actually call it? Oh, the, the carbon, carbon, the carbon energy, calculation, yeah. you know, c- calculating our, our tours and then, can we drive electric and how, how much can we cut our carbon footprint down on this on this run um and there's a few things that have been funny across this process one of them was we originally we were going to make it organic as well and we sort of hit this um i guess crossroad oh, where we yeah. if we wanted it to be organic we needed to import the hops from new zealand yep. And it just felt, it just felt stupid, you know, it's like, do we want this to be organic so that it looks good on the label and people are like, oh, this is better for me. It's much, much more of like a personal thing. I think when you see that organic label or do we, you know, and then we're just going to have to buy more trees and offset more in order to make that carbon neutral. It's like, no, let's not fly the, the hops from New Zealand. Because it, just, it just seems so silly, you know. We can get them more locally and not have that carbon footprint in the first place.
0: Yeah, yeah, and when we first started with the inventory, we just started with one of our base beers. So we just went, okay, like we need to get this, like, inventory started. The boys hadn't quite settled on what beer they wanted and if it was going to be more than one beer. Because when we first started, it was just the one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't both of them. Um, and so... We, we we just started basic beer, basic information. I don't even think we'd chosen a brewery yet as to where like mm. what site we were going to brew this out. So trying to get information is pretty basic. Um, and then these questions came up like, oh, can we have organic? And then we were thinking, oh, we're doing this carbon neutral product. We really need to be thinking about what we're actually doing. So while we have this like just standard lager, Now let's actually start thinking about the processing that we're doing and how we're treating um, all of the processing, you know, from all the way from the malt and the hops that we choose to brewing it and packing it, like making those choices, like, is it going to be glass or is it going to be can? Like, what's going to have your biggest carbon footprint? Cans are going to be less, so let's go down that route. Or, um, you know, uh, even when we were sort of looking at the brewing of the beer malting like has one of the biggest carbon footprints in the brewing industry Mm. like there's so much carbon emissions in that so like let's take some of that out and okay yes it's going to be harder in in you know the brew house to put in some unmalted barley but you know let's let's reduce our emissions there and put some unmalted barley in the brew house so that We can, you know, start making those little offsets early on so at the end we're not just going, oh, here's a lager, here's the offsets. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's, yeah, pretty important just to, I think offsetting is pretty controversial these days, you know. It's like the biggest mining company in Australia is carbon neutral. Like it doesn't make any sense, you know. It's like because they're just buying all these offsets. So it's, um, yeah, I think it's just what you're doing in the process Actually, we have a farm up the coast and the farmer over the road is a hay farmer, but he's a certified organic hay farmer, but he burns so much diesel, you know, he can't take any water out of the river. It's just such a beautiful river going straight past his property. So he has to import all his own water or catch, you know, get it from, uh, you know, I guess there's a lot of rainfall, but it just seems like. Just because you're holding on to this tag, sometimes you're not necessarily doing the best thing. And often in a supermarket, you might look at the back of a blueberry packet and it's like, oh, yeah, these are organic, but they're imported from Sweden. And you're like, OK. <laughs> yeah.
2: and, 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 I mean, it's, it's really interesting to hear you say that because and even acknowledge the um, challenge around carbon credits, because it is uh, something that people do want to criticize. But I believe you went with Green Collar, um, Hayley.
0: Yeah, so it was actually a really big point of the project as to how are we going to offset this and who are we going to partner with, what project are we going to support and, you know, thinking about what the boys stand for in Lime Cordial um, and then what the beer is, we wanted to do, like, we definitely had to be natural Um, and something to do you know with a a natural resource so um, that's where we ended up um, with the you know Darling Basin. Uh, There's a lot of issues with that system. (laughs) we won't get into that Um, but yeah so how how we could support you know a project that is building up the the biodiversity and you know stopping erosion Um, like what where, where are we Goonery it's like 150 k's of or I think it is. So um, we're, we're talking far um, northwest New South Wales. It's feeding into the top of the Darling Basin. But what we can support there to then support, you know, the future of that area, that that stuck, stuck true to what Lime Cordial are, but also what this beer is.
2: Mm. It, it's interesting that you say it because, again, aware being aware of the um, challenges around offsets and seeing green collar, I you know did what a journalist does and jumped on and started researching uh, that you know, natural skepticism and all that. And you know it's interesting to see that green collar um, has actually been one of the offsetting advocates for tighter regulation around offsetting to make sure that there is integrity around it. So uh, yeah, I was just uh, interested in whether that was one of the reasons they were chosen.
0: They, and it is exactly the reason like there was a lot of spotlight i think when we were choosing who we were going to partner with at the time um the four corners the four corners had just come out with the report on the like pub in yeah. new guinea or something like with mm. offsets so like it was at the forefront of everyone's mind that we really had to just make sure that we dotted every i across every t so um, one of the big points of actually the whole project was um, even with the certification we were going through, do we, do we just go for a random ISO um, standard you know, and go f- um, with a certification body that is internationally recognised but doesn't really hold much weight in Australia? So someone like, um, you know, we could just go with a certification body like SAR Global or BSI. Um, And while they have their environmental standards within Australia at the minute, they don't have um, much weight. Whereas the government body Climate Active does. And Green Collar is, I think it's one of the, one of the few that are Climate Active um, certified. So Climate Active have done all their um, auditing of them as well. So for us, it was just a huge tick.
1: So good.
2: It, It sounds, Louis and Ollie, that, this has almost been the most valuable part of the process for you guys uh, making sure that that was the element of the beer that was 100 percent correct
1: yeah i mean we just we are going through um a bit of a journey at the moment to sort of be i guess second guessing what we're doing in the world you know we're very very early stages but we're a, a, In addition to the touring we're interviewing a whole bunch of people and filming every process along the way in in development of a documentary that we're working on um which really questions you know if if we are environmentalists should we really be touring you know and so um that maybe that's a simple question for some maybe some people go no you, you can just have a smaller life on the farm um but then you know they're We are exploring alternatives in every step of the way you know whether it's transport merchandise um we've been talking to some amazing people in silicon valley and you know all across europe um you know we're looking at our tour buses and looking yeah looking at everything so this has been really cool like you know if we were going on this journey and making this documentary and questioning everything on the touring side of things but then had this product on the side that you know didn't didn't match up to any of these beliefs then I yeah I just wouldn't really feel good about it so
2: mm. it, it it's interesting that you know you even have to ask whether you can tour because I guess making music is your life and how do we change our lives without giving our lives up
1: mm. I think we just we want to sort of spread a message that everyone should be asking these questions in every industry you know like and even if you're the small fry in some big company, you can, you have the right to go in there and say like, hey, what's our climate statement? You know, like, what are we doing? Or are we just, do we have no interest in this at all? Um, and I think, yeah, I think everyone has the right to ask those questions, you know, with everything. And it's sometimes it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Sometimes it's you know, just who, who's your electricity provider? Sometimes it's you know are we are we moving into hybrid delivery vans or can we have a gas or electric stove? Yeah, and can we look into solar panels on the roof or um, do we really need this many plastic cups in the kitchen? Yeah.
2: Oh, plastic cups. Okay, we could go down a whole rabbit hole there, but I guess (laughs) just just looking at the time, um, I guess what is the hope for uh, Largo bringing it back to the beer?
3: Yeah, I mean it's only just been released, really. It's such so
1: <laughs> such early stages. We'd really like to, you know, see the beer and at festivals, and you know, because that's where we spend a lot of time. We'd like to eventually be thinking about expanding into. We've we've got a lager and a mid strength, which is great, but we, you know, can always talk about non-alcohol cider, ex- expanding up. there. Yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. You know, I guess the offsetting side of things can continuously be changing we don't always have to be working with the same people um so that's kind of cool you know we're lovers of the coast and and regenerative farming and um the rainforest and all of that sort of thing so um yeah i mean there's constantly been moving that's for sure
2: I, I guess you've certainly uh, partnered with the right people. Uh, the, the biggest alcohol distributor and retailer in the country. You, 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 wherever you're touring, you'll be able to find it on the shelves anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was in, it was in
3: Mackay the other day. It was pretty. Yeah, went was the up first. there for a festival and yeah, it was on the shelf. It's pretty pretty amazing to see.
2: Yeah. So it, it, bigger buzz. Uh, so, God I'm trying to think two thousand and nine where there still did you release a record or I think you uh, released your first music online so you didn't even have a physical uh, album when you when when you guys started because you started with bandcamp didn't you? Yeah,
1: what well, was it I think it was we like, had a USB stick to me. <laughs> Yeah, with a whole 200 megabytes on it. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty intuitive.
2: Was it a better feeling seeing your own beer on the shelf or hearing your, music, your own music on the radio?
1: Oh, it took us a while to get played on the radio, but that, so that was a big build-up, um, and re- we were really stoked at that. And I guess back to the USB stick, you know, even back then we had wooden USB sticks, so yeah. we're still, I guess, sort of thinking about the wastefulness with those.
2: Well, to, I, I, I guess, we, I mean, we're here plugging your beer. Um, have you got any tour dates that you want to plug to, to get uh, people out where they know they, they can get a Largo beer and listen to some, some uh, Lime Cordial tunes? I guess we've got an,
3: a
1: single coming out pretty soon. Yeah. Very soon. Yeah. And, um, and an actually, album after that. Just actually locked off all the mixes for the album. Um, and Louis getting to those last stages of lino cutting, which just takes right. so bloody long. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we've got this album coming out next year and, a, and a, probably our biggest Australian tour after that. So hopefully Largo's on tap at those gigs. Well,
2: all the very best to you both. Thank you very much for this conversation about Largo and the music industry and your know, whole lot of sustainability topics as well. Ollie and Louis Limebark, thank you very much. And also Hayley Martin, thank you very much for joining us.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. so much. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it.
2: And that was Ollie and Louis Leimbach. And thank you to Largo Lagers in partnership with Pinnacle Drinks for sponsoring this episode. You can find out more about Largo Brewing at www.largobrewing.com.au. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. Largo is exclusively available through BWS and Dan Murphy stores.